welcome to Misinformation, a trivia podcast for ladies and gents who love cool trivia and sticking it to annoying teams of pub quiz. We're your hosts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Julia. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Lauren. Oh, Julia. <laughs> it is so hot out. I was going to I was going to try to say, Lauren, speaking of cool trivia. <laughs> oh, I should have done that. I'm sorry. We can do that again, right? It's okay. Okay. Take two. Take two. Uh, hey, Julia. Hey, Lauren. <laughs> You're supposed to say the cool oh, trivia. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Hey, Lauren. Yeah. Speaking of cool trivia. Yeah, Julia. Uh, oh, I didn't have anywhere to go from oh, there. You I just was waiting for you. It's it hot out. How hot is it? <laughs> <laughs> well, after that scintillating opening. <laughs> This is why we have a podcast and literally dozens of listeners. <laughs> um, in fact, my topic today is relevant to how hot it is. Ooh. Josh frequently makes fun of us because all we do is talk about the weather at the top of our shows. And, how, si- and how sick everybody is. And how sick everyone is. <laughs> if it's not, woo, it's cold, or oh, it's hot. It's, oh, I feel, woo, boy, did I have a terrible cold this week. <laughs> so um, it's actually a little bit of both. Uh, I'm going to talk about how uh, air conditioning can kill you. The 1976 Legionnaires outbreak. Oh, that Legionnaires disease. Oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, I hope everybody right now is just like driving in their car. In their air conditioning car. their air conditioning. Yep. Sitting in They're front like of it. sitting it right in front of their window mm-hmm. unit. Just... Mm, just yeah. breathing all that in getting it right in their face because it's it's like a hundred degrees in the in the east right now yes it's very warm the east did we say that we're the east coast i'm really losing it <laughs> i've had a long week it's okay it's okay i'm gonna soothe your brain and your heart with a tale of infectious diseases by talking about my least favorite city Habam! <laughs> oh it gets better so on July 21st, 1976, the American Legion opened its annual three-day convention at the Bellevue Stratford Hotel in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Ooh, what a dump. <laughs> <laughs> More than 2,000 Legionnaires, mostly men, attended the convention. What is a Legionnaire? Okay, so it's like uh, the American Legion. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's it's vets of I'm A member of the, of the American Legion. Exactly. Okay. A member of the American Legion. Um, so the date and the city were chosen to coincide with America's celebration of the 200th anniversary of the signing of the U.S. Declaration of Independence at Philadelphia in 1776. So it's a big bicentennial thing for the Legionnaires. So it not only was a busy time for the Legionnaires, but it was a busy time for the city of Philadelphia. Uh, there was a ton of bicentennial events, not just the Legionnaires' little convention. Mm-hmm. Um, however, uh, because it was the 70s, there was a lot of issues going on as well so um sanitation workers had a work slowdown over wage disputes which means that there were mountains of garbage and filth running through the streets Mm, that's not much different than it is today (laughs) oh philadelphia i really hope we don't have any philly (laughs) listeners because we they have already shut it off and been like that john that's fine (laughs) yeah i know you don't care Um, There were also protests against U.S. foreign policy decisions and an anonymous tip warned of domestic terrorism, specifically at the Bellevue Stratford Hotel. Oh, yeah. Um, Also, the hotel's air conditioning was malfunctioning and they wanted to get it up and running before the convention. That's what we call Chekhov's air conditioner in this situation, (laughs) in this story. Um, The hotel also wanted sex workers away from the hotel during the busy summer season. 
because apparently in that particular area of Philadelphia, in front of the Bellevue Stratton, it was a popular place for girls to 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 try to to work, meet some fellas some, some, or some Johns, if you will, <laughs> some Johns, meet some Johns. Um, I'm trying to use the the language of the Philadelphian. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I think I'm doing a great down job. by the water, by the water. <laughs> Oh, regionalisms. All right. So, um, oh, before I be- really get into the nitty gritty, I'm going to uh, cite two of my sources. Okay. Uh, one is um, an article from 19- August 1976, Time Magazine, called The Philadelphia Killer. And the second is um, a Forensic Files episode, season one, episode seven, entitled Legionnaire's Disease. <laughs> so really get really getting into that my favorite murder vibe i know well i gotta cite my sources C- citing shows on investigation discovery <laughs> continue um actually i was uh i every night i watch forensic files before i go to bed because it's so soothing it is, it's and soothing. calming it's, it's very really soothing and calming still i'm just saying some very good dreams <laughs> i mean only at first and, and now i'm okay but uh, the Legionnaires episode was playing the other night. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is so interesting. I didn't know anything about it. So that's what also gave me the idea besides air conditioning. So <clears throat> retired Air Force Captain Ray Brennan, 61, a tall graying man who loved to collect seashells, had been having heart trouble for some years. But he was the bookkeeper of American Legion Post 42 in Tawanda, PA. And as his sister Maisie Travis said, quote, all he lived for were these conventions. So Brennan set off for Philadelphia to attend the State Legion Convention, an affair traditionally devoted to parading and merrymaking. Business would be over by noon, and then they got to have fun. He came home, quote, tired, his sister recalled, and three days later he had chest pains, a fever, and difficulty breathing. Quote, he didn't want to go to the hospital, said Mrs. Travis. We had to fight him all the way. That very night, with his lungs filling with a bloody froth, Jeez. Brennan died of an apparent heart attack. Ugh. Yeah, it gets worse. On July 30th, another legionnaire, Frank Avenue, age 60, also died of an apparent heart attack, as did three other legionnaires. All of them had been convention attendees. Hmm. 24 hours later, six more legionnaires died. <gasps> they ranged in age from 39 to 82, and like Ray Brennan, Frank Avenue, and the three other legionnaires, all had complained of tiredness, chest pains, lung congestion, and a fever. On Saturday, July 31st, the Legion's state adjutant, Edward Hoke, 52, learned that eight Legionnaires had developed chest pains and fevers in the week since the convention, and that a ninth had died. The bad news soon grew from a trickle to a torrent. Next day, a note from his secretary informed him that another Legionnaire had died. A colleague telephoned to report yet another death. Calls to other Legion officials turned up still more convention goers and hospitals. Hoke went to bed that Sunday night without reaching state health authorities. On Monday morning, they called him. Having heard that several Legionnaires had entered a Williamsport hospital with symptoms of something that soon came to be known as Legion disease. In Williamstown, Korean War vets and Legionnaires James Jimmy Dolan and John Ralph died under mysterious circumstances. The official cause of death was pneumonia. The coroner said their lungs looked like Brillo pads. Oh, dear. Uh, Yeah. So the symptoms came on quickly. It was an intense headache, then muscle and chest pain, and then a high fever of up to 107 degrees, which can like boil <sighs> your blood. Can, yeah. Yeah. That'll kill you. That'll defo kill you. Um, an official in the state's division of communicable diseases asked Hoke if he was aware of an unusual number of illnesses amongst his colleagues. Hoke's reply confirmed the worst. There was an invisible, impersonal mass killer on the loose. 
The knowledge rekindled, despite all the advances of modern medicine, humanity's ancient memories of, an, of epidemics beyond understanding or control. Even as the first waves of shock and fear began to spread throughout Pennsylvania and beyond, the search for the killer began in one of the most intensive efforts at medical sleuthing ever undertaken in the U.S., now that the alert had been sounded, the case files quickly swelled. Within the week, more than 130 people, mostly men, had been stricken and hospitalized, and 25 had died. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Each fresh report fueled the nation's anxiety, producing panicky calls to doctors and hospitals across the U.S. from people who developed any of the reported and not uncommon symptoms. I mean, these but, sim- symptoms are like super common. If you have the flu, you yeah. have these symptoms. But... They, like, pretty quickly figured out it was all attendees of this conference, right? Here's the thing. It wasn't just attendees of the conference. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, for those uh, relatively few who encountered the real thing, it was, as Richard Dolan of Williamsport said, unbelievable. His cousin Jimmy Dolan, who was only 39, became ill at the convention and died a week later. It just has everybody stunned, he said. Fellows your age, your friends are dead. I never expected anything so sudden. So the state capital was worried about the epidemic and they called in the CDC as you as they are okay, wont to do. Sure. So Dr. David Frazier led the investigation. His first task was finding out why some were sick and some weren't. Okay. It wasn't all the members of the convention. Oh right. And there were some men who roomed with guys who were sick or roomed with guys who were sick and died. Mm-hmm. And they, they never were fine. they were totally fine. Okay. So he had to ask a lot of questions about the conventioner's day-to-day activities, and he had some theories, but little else. Uh, by the time he and his team arrived in Philadelphia a few days later, the death rate among the infected was 20% and rising. That's too high. It's way too high. It's too high for people to just be This is not the plague. plague. I mean, people were like worried that it was the plague, because it was people were dying so, so quickly. So the outbreak was worldwide news. Okay. Um, the press dubbed it Legionnaire's disease, which is it's still called that today. Um, journalists Paul Carpenter and Bob Dvorak were responsible for coining the term Legionnaire's disease. Um, Carpenter broke the original Legionnaire's disease story back in 76, which is that uh, Philadelphia killer article that I'm mm-hmm. quoting from like a lot. And uh, Dvorak, who was the editor on the Associated Press desk, who handled his story, he first came up with that term. So they kind of collaborated on this okay. very important article. Um, so the fear was no more evident than in Manesson, Pennsylvania. I know where that is. Yeah. Uh, well, Andrew Hornack was a bus driver who drove the Keystone Cadet Junior Drum and Bugle Corps for a parade the day before the convention closed. Uh, by the middle of the following week after he had arrived home, he fell ill and died of the disease. Although he was a popular man with many friends and family, few came to his funeral because people were so afraid. Oh, that's kind of scary. Uh, Parents of the kids he drove were especially frightened of their children being exposed to some illness. The thing is, uh, Andrew Hornack was not a legionnaire. Mm -hmm. He never set foot inside the hotel. He was just a bus driver. Okay. Who like drove the kids near the hotel Mm -hmm. the last day of the convention. So people were like, what the hell is going on? Um, so Dr. Frazier and his team of 150 federal and state disease detectives needed to gather information. So they crisscrossed the state interviewing sick legionnaires, and they distributed questionnaires to everyone who attended the convention, and they collected hundreds of dust, air, water, and ice samples, as well as rat and pigeon droppings from every hotel used by the legionnaires. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, tissue samples from the dead legionnaires were also analyzed. And uh, one wall of the makeshift headquarters was covered with a map pierced with colored pins tracing the outbreak of the mysterious disease, 
red pins for death and yellow pins for reported illnesses. Yeah. So there are plenty of competing theories. So we're going to talk a little bit about mm-hmm. the theories. So swine flu was at the top of the list since okay. the symptoms were similar to the mystery disease and there had been a swine flu outbreak, I think in Europe the year before or mm-hmm. something like that. So people were kind of freaking out about that. Uh, parrot fever, also known as orthonosis, was uh, also a possibility. That's a disease spread by sick pigeons. So people were like, lots of pigeons in a city. I bet these people- uh-huh. A lot of garbage ha- birds. Handled dead pigeons and uh-huh. put their hands in their mouth mm. and boom, now you're sick. Uh, maybe they thought it was food poisoning because everybody had stayed at the hotel. They all ate and drank similar foods mm-hmm. all day. Um, they were partying after all. Maybe a new strain of STD called super gonorrhea. So this was... Li- <laughs> that in no they really thought it was something called super gonorrhea they really thought it was something called super gonorrhea exists yes so let me tell you about super gonorrhea Uh, (laughs) is this just a play just to get to talk about (laughs) yeah i built this entire i built this entire topic just so i could talk about super gonorrhea (laughs) because you couldn't put that in the episode title no i couldn't super gonorrhea (laughs) so Regular ass gonorrhea is just a bacterial infection that's the second most commonly diagnosed STI in the world. Mm -hmm. First being herpes, of course. Uh, Symptoms include painful urination and abnormal discharge in both women and men, as well as painful or swollen testicles in men and lower abdominal pain and irregular menstruation in women. Some people, however, may carry gonorrhea without showing any symptoms, just as an FYI. What makes it super is that it was especially antibiotic resistant. That's okay. all. That's what makes it super. <laughs> it is so super. It was big. They were like the size of bagels. Those bagels. <laughs> the germs were huge. It's amazing anyone caught it. You could see it coming a mile away. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So apparently the symptoms were similar enough that it was considered. Even by your frothy, bloody lungs? Even by your frothy, bloody lungs. And there had been two outbreaks of it in other cities earlier that year, which is like, get it together, 1976. What's your deal? Everybody needs to chill out with the super gonorrhea. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) So, or here was another possibility, was it the rats and the garbage from the sanitation strike? They were like, is it the plague again? Do we have the, Mm -hmm. the boobos, if you will? Um, and also people were like, what about that anonymous tip about the terrorist attack? Was okay. it poison? So people were really freaking out. Mm-hmm. So the main question was, why did some of the men get sick, but others did not? As I mentioned before, um, the Fraser team did a deep analysis of the legionnaires who were roommates of the sick ones, and they discovered that it didn't increase your chance of getting it. Okay. So it didn't matter if you passed a guy in the hall or if you were like sleeping right next to him, mm-hmm. you had the same chance of getting it. So this was important because it showed that people weren't getting the disease from the bedrooms and it wasn't communicable. Okay. So within the first 48 hours, the first tissue samples analyzed by the CDC eliminated typhoid, the Lassa, and Marburg viruses, which are both tropical fevers Mm -hmm. that are found in Africa and and, um, South America, Um, pertussis, and the plague. So all those were eliminated. Great. Um, And after five days, they eliminated many more, including herpes, mumps, measles, as well as some of their top suspects mentioned earlier. Also, they eliminated super gonorrhea in this round. So... They eliminated a lot of the things that you can get vaccines for. Exactly. Exactly. Vaccinate well, your children. Yeah, please vaccinate your children. Um, also, vaccinate yourself. Yeah. Get those boosters, oh, yeah. everybody. So at this point, they still couldn't idea it. They were just trying to do process of elimination, and people were still dying, and it was like everybody was losing it. 
So they discovered that most of the people who were sick had been registered at the Bellevue specifically and had been there during the week of the convention. So they at least narrowed okay. it down to people near the hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, however, some of the victims weren't legionnaires at all and hadn't attended the convention and hadn't even set foot inside the hotel. They had only walked along the sidewalk in front of it. That's all. Okay. So the more time people spend outside on the sidewalk outside of the hotel, they, the more likely they were to get sick. And for some unknown reason, none of the employees of the hotel got sick at all. None oh, of them. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So the commonalities among the sick. Most were over the age of 50. Many of the fatalities were smokers and some had other underlying illnesses mm-hmm. like cardiopulmonary disease or something like that. Uh, the ones who didn't get sick on average were about 10 years younger than the ones who did get sick. Uh, By now, 27 people were dead and no one knew anything about the illness. The team discovered evidence that it wasn't waterborne or foodborne, so they developed the idea that it was probably airborne. Okay. Um, But they could not find evidence of it in the hotel. Um, So, but good news was now the disease was slowing down. Fewer people were getting sick on a day-to-day and weekly basis. Did they like shut the hotel down? Yes. Oh my God, yeah, they shut the hotel down. Um, In fact, after this happened, the Bellevue's... Stratford Hotel kind of limped along for a couple more years mm-hmm. and it ended up closing mm-hmm. because of this. No one was going there anymore. They were like, oh yeah, that's where all those people died. I'm not going to sleep in your beds. So meanwhile, at the University of Connecticut, Dr. William Sunderland got an anonymous letter that stated that the Legionnaires were intentionally poisoned and he turned the letter over to the FBI. Okay. Um, the reason why he got this was because he was an expert on what's known as nickel carbonyl which is a clear odorless liquid that's easily transformed into a lethal gas. Hmm. Turns out nickel carbonyl poisoning presents a lot like pneumonia. Tests on the livers of those who died showed that there was evidence of nickel in their systems, in their liver Hmm. tissue. Okay. Uh, However, this wasn't the breakthrough that they thought it was. (laughs) Lab tests showed that nickel was peeling off of the scalpels used during the autopsies. (gasps) Oh, so when they were using, I I know. So what a setback. Yeah. But, um, apparently Jack Kemp mm-hmm. made an announcement that was like, by the way, they found nickel in these people's livers and it's probably nickel carbonyl and they were poisoned. So there was like a brief period during this investigation where people really lost their minds that they thought it was domestic terrorism. Okay. So still no closer. Now we are five months later, Christmas, 1976. CDC employees taking some time off because it's Christmas time. They had been working around the clock to find the cause of this disease without any success. Mm -hmm. There were no new cases, no new people getting sick or anybody dying, uh, but there were no answers either. So Dr. Joseph McDade, who was a CDC microbiologist, he was getting flack for going on vacation instead of figuring out what was going on. His coworkers were like, oh, wow, yeah, you're going to lay the sun. Must be nice. So in frustration, he canceled his Christmas vacation and went back to the lab. So he pulled, he's alone in the lab. He pulls a slide of a guinea pig injected with the liver tissue of a legionnaire's victim. And this was a slide that he had seen hundreds of times Mm -hmm. before. But this time in his deserted lab, he noticed something he didn't recognize. A new bacterium. (gasps) What? One McDade had never seen before. He thought at first he was looking at a contaminated specimen, but he decided to retest it anyway, just in case. So he tested it and discovered what's now known as Legionella pneumophilia. Okay. Um, he also discovered uh, an existing antibiotic, erythromycin, kills it. Um, so the question remained, though, he found the bacteria. He can see that there's a cure. Mm-hmm. Where did this come from and why did so many people get sick? And why are there no new like cases? Yeah. So 
And also, how did it spread? Since obviously it wasn't communicable, so how did it spread? <laughs> they couldn't find any of the samples taken from the hotel um, because the bacteria had long since died by the time they got there. Okay. So the CDC team quickly discovered its properties. It multiplied in warm, watery conditions and could travel through the air in contaminated water droplets or mist. Since some of the victims were never in the hotel, but on the sidewalk in front of the hotel, Dr. Frazier believes that the bacteria most likely came from the roof of the hotel from the air conditioning water cooling towers. In the towers, warm water is cooled as it cascades over wooden louvers, and the excess water falls into a collection pan, um, and at the bottom where it stagnates if it fails to drain properly. Mm -hmm. So it like collects in this pan. It's supposed to drain, but if it's clogged from like leaves or whatever, which happens all the time. Yeah. Um, this is where the deadly Legionera bacteria grew and multiplied. Um, so it was drawn up into the air thanks to the powerful fans. Um, and the now airborne, the deadly mist floated into the atmosphere and gently floated to the street below, landing on pedestrians and being drawn into the lobby by intake air. Um, the employees probably didn't get sick because they were either A, younger and stronger, or B, had built up an immunity since they were there all the time. Right. Yeah. That's um, the cooling tower theory was never proven since the bacteria had already died, but it's a, it's that's probably the so case. So it was new bacteria? Like they never... No, it was a bacteria that no one had ever identified before. Oh, okay. So... Um, because it dies. Because it dies as soon as it's not in its like... And it's nice warm home anymore okay. where it can like divide and multiply. It dies very easily and very quickly, um, which makes it easy to cure. But also if you don't know what the hell you're looking for, it kills a lot of people very quickly. Um, so the CDC team did find similar bacteria in other cooling towers around the country. So they like testing all over the place. Uh, the CDC believes the Legionella had been killing people for thousands of years. Oh, no. But because it looks so, <laughs> because it looks so much like pneumonia or mm-hmm. the flu or a heart attack, um, no one until this outbreak where it was all these people in one place, no one noticed it as being anything different than just an outbreak of pneumonia, which is crazy. Um, an outbreak of what was dubbed Pontiac fever occurred in a health department in Pontiac, Michigan, in July 1967. No one died in this case, but it was caused by the same bacterium. Uh, Pontiac fever is a milder ailment than Legionnaire's disease. And in this, uh, in Pontiac fever, pneumonia is absent. So you just have the other symptoms and the headache and the achiness. Achiness. And it just feels like the flu or a fever. Um, They also found the bacteria in an outbreak in Austin, Minnesota in 1957, which is the earliest known outbreak of Legionella. And an outbreak of pneumonia in July through August 1965 at St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Washington, D.C., which killed 16 people out of 78 infected, which later determined to be Legionnaire's disease because they still had the tissue samples. Yeah, I feel like I know of this because it happens in hospitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because of the cooling towers. And it's it usually happens in office buildings because your wall unit AC doesn't use... Um, uh, water, mm-hmm. any water in it because it's a refrigerant system. Mm-hmm. But in large buildings, the way that they cool everything is through collected water because it's cheaper and easier and much more efficient. But it's also much easier for Legionella bacteria to grow and multiply. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a September 1974 convention of the Independent Order of Odd Fellows was also headed the Bellevue Stratford Hotel. And out of approximately 1,500 members who attended, 20 developed pneumonia and two died. 
So there was not only an earlier case of Legionella, but it was at that same hotel two years earlier. And if they would have caught it, it could be called Oddfellows disease. I know, but it's a much, much better name. name. I think so too. So um, the Philadelphia outbreak is the most extensive medical investigation in history. Um, altogether, 34 people died. Uh, out of 221 cases, 221 people were That's sick. so many. It's so many. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, another outbreak that was more recent. Okay. Very briefly. So uh, the Bovacospal Legionellosis, Legionellosis outbreak began on February 25th, 1999 in uh, Bovacospal, which is the Netherlands, and was one of the largest outbreaks of Legionellosis. You know what? I'm just going to say Legionnaire, Legionnaire's, Legionnaire's disease. disease. Uh, one of the largest outbreaks of Legionnaire's disease in history. With at least 32 dead and 206 severe infections, it was the deadliest Legionnaire's d- disease outbreak since the original 76 outbreak. Oh my gosh. So between February 19th and February 28th in 1999, the Vesfriza flora took place in Bovacospol. Uh, it was one of the largest indoor flower exhibitions in the world. It's now called the Holland Flowers Festival. Okay. So a vendor had several recreational hot tubs on display, uh, with one of them filled from a long inactive fire hose and heated to 37 degrees Celsius or 98.6 degrees Fahrenheit. That's not hot enough to kill germs. Yeah. Um, in the water that had previously stagnated inside the hose, a very aggressive type of Legionella pneumophilia bacterium had developed. The vendor did not add chlorine to the tubs as customers would not have been permitted to sit in them anyway. They were just not for display. So from March 7th, uh, 13 patients were admitted to the Vestfries Hosthaus in Horn, uh, which is a hospital. Uh, Unable to diagnose the patient's hospital staff called the Academic Medical Center in Amsterdam. And the AMC initially diagnosed six patients with uh, Legionnaire's disease and a link with the Vestfries flora was soon made. Um, And on March 12th, the Netherlands National Institute for Public Health and the Environment issued an epidemic warning to all doctors and hospitals, alerting them to flora visitors and people with pneumonia-like symptoms. In the following weeks, 318 cases throughout the Netherlands was reported to the RIVM, or the National Institute for Public Health. All patients had visited the Vestfriza flora after February 22nd and had become ill between February 25th and March 16th. Uh, it is known that 32 people died of the infection, one of them in 2001 after a prolonged illness. So it took oh them like gosh. two years to die. It's awful. A further 206 people became severely ill and many developed permanent health problems after visiting the flora. Because this guy just used a garden just hose used an old to hose. fill his hot tub, yeah. which he turned on to just warm enough and just people and it just, went, just went it right into the air. Yeah, absolutely. In this like indoor flower convention hall which is already really humid anyway because of the flowers and the water and the mists and everything it's just like the perfect nightmare my house i know right (laughs) so the 318 cases of the vest frieza uh exceeds the 221 in the 1976 philadelphia outbreak but while the philadelphia outbreak had two more fatalities which 34 versus 32 Mm -hmm. There is a possibility that others died in the 1999 outbreak, but were interred before the infection was recognized. Oh. So it was a lot of people. So for your own health and safety, where does this bacteria come from? Right. Uh-huh. Um, they come from freshwater ponds. Uh, creeks and ornamental fountains are potential sources of Legionella. Uh, the disease is particularly associated with hotels, fountains, cruise ships, and hospitals with complex potable water systems and cooling systems. 
Respiratory care devices such as humidifiers and nebulizers used with contaminated tap water may contain Legionella species. So use sterile water, and that is very important. (laughs) Um, Other sources include exposure to potting mix and compost. (laughs) I mean, so here's the thing. Um, We are probably exposed to Legionella every damn day, just because it's just in stagnant water and Mm -hmm. mist and all of that stuff. But you have to have a compromised immune system for it to actually affect you. Yeah. Um, It's not a very strong bacteria. Um, So if you are already someone who's like a smoker or you are elderly and have health problems or you have a compromised immune system, you already have like maybe an autoimmune disorder, Mm -hmm. you are way more susceptible to getting Legionnaire's disease than being just like a healthy adult who goes to the gym frequently and does not smoke. Yeah. I think I must have thought it was called Legionnaire's disease because it's like people of that age get it. Like people who are Legionnaires. Who are Legionnaires. Yeah. Like Like old men. Yeah. Like like the American Legion. That's Mm -hmm. like where you go and you drink for cheap. Yeah. Right? And also that's how you die of a horrific, uh, painful, pneumonia-like disease. Mm. Old men. Yeah. I just thought it was like, oh, it's because... They're older. Yeah. I, I knew it came from um, air conditioners, but I had mm-hmm. no idea why air conditioners were a thing. I was like, I'm sure it's a bacteria something. Who cares? Yeah. But yeah, isn't that fascinating? <sighs> and terrifying. And terrifying. But uh, everyone, feel free to crank up your AC as long as you don't have one of those water cooling. Old fashioned. Old fashioned air conditioners. You're fine. You're fine. So. Also, don't go to Philadelphia. Also, well, <laughs> then you're really going to enjoy my quiz. My quiz today is on Philadelphia and infectious diseases, part two. I already had a quiz on infectious diseases in my outbreak episode, but I'm doing... What episode ins- number is that, Lauren? That's number six. Nope. Number 28. Mm. Oh, you don't know. I'd, oh, no, I wrote it down and I, I wrote it down at my job and I can't remember what it was. It was probably 26. Um, I, I'll get back to you on that. But here we go. Question number one. Let's start with something relevant. For the bicentennial, amongst other things, the city of Philadelphia planted a special tree in Washington Square Park, whose seed was one of many that had been to a very special and heavenly place. Where did these seeds go to? Question number two. Name this infectious virus. Initial symptoms begin suddenly and include intense headaches, back and abdominal pain, fever, chills, nausea, and blurred vision. Individuals may have flushing of the face, inflammation or redness of the eyes, or a rash. Later symptoms can include low blood pressure, acute shock, vascular leakage, and acute kidney failure, which can cause severe fluid overload. It will not turn you into a rodent, nor will it magically transport you to South Korea. Question number three. True or false, the Philadelphia Flyers were so named because of lefty center Bobby Clark's ability to fly across the ice. Question number four. Name this infectious disease. Symptoms may include headache, fever, shivering, joint pain, vomiting, hemolytic anemia, jaundice, hemoglobin in the urine, retinal damage, and convulsions. You can get it from mosquitoes, and sometimes it causes yellowing of the skin. Question number five. Dutch settlers brought this hot and salty treat to Philadelphia in the 18th century, making the city the first to popularize it in the U.S. What bar snack am I talking about, which is most often associated with German pubs? 
Question number six. Name this infectious disease. Symptoms include headache, neck, back, abdominal, and extremity pain, fever, vomiting, lethargy, and irritability. Then the muscles become weak, floppy, and poorly controlled, and finally, completely paralyzed. It infects children most often, and the Americas were free of it in 1994. Question number seven. Rocky famously ran up these 72 steps to victory, I guess? I don't know. I didn't see it. But to what historic Philadelphia building do these steps belong? Question number eight. Name this infectious disease. Symptoms include... Actually, they're so gross, even I can't repeat them. But essentially, you just die of dehydration. It has also been nicknamed the Blue Death because a person's skin may turn bluish-gray from extreme loss of fluids. The disease comes from bacteria found in unclean water. Question number nine. Every New Year's Day in Philadelphia, this parade, which is the oldest folk festival in the U.S., is televised on WPHL-TV. This event features local clubs, usually called New Year's Associations, competing in one of four categories, comics, fancies, string band, and fancy brigades. They prepare elaborate costumes, performance routines, and movable scenery, which take months to complete. Odds are they probably play Lorena McKinnett the entire time. What is the name of this parade? And finally, question number 10. I'm going to name four nicknames for tuberculosis, and you're going to tell me if they're real or something I made up. 1. Galloping Consumption 2. Davy Jones Folly 3. Bumble Lungs or 4. Phthysis I'll give you a minute to think about it, and we'll be right back with answers. I'm a legionnaire, camel in disrepair Hoping for a frigidaire to come passing by I am on reprieve Lacking my joie de vivre Missing my gapery In this desert dry And I wrote my girl Told her I would not return I've terribly taken a turn To this foreign shore Fighting in a foreign war So far away from my home If only some rain would fall on the houses And the boulevards And the sidewalk bagatelles It's like a dream So the episode was 28. Episode 28, Outbreak it's about the London pandemic. The Great Plague. Huh? Pandemic. There was a pandemic. Yeah. It was great. And then I did a quiz on uh, infectious diseases. All right. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> Question number one. Let's start with something relevant. For the bicentennial, amongst other things, the city of Philadelphia planted a special tree in Washington Square Park, whose seed was one of many that had been to a very special and heavenly place. Where did these seeds go to? I think it went to the moon. It went to the moon. Uh, a bunch of sycamore tree seeds went up on the 1971 Apollo 14 mission. And when they came back, they were all planted all over the world, including in Philadelphia. Uh, the original moon tree, as they were known, struggled and finally died in 2011. And the National Forest Service cloned more seeds from a branch from the original moon tree and planted it in the same spot in Washington Square Park. So, same moon tree. Okay. Just different. Uh, question number two. Name this infectious virus. 
Initial symptoms begin suddenly, include intense headaches, back and abdominal pain, fever, chills, nausea, and blurred vision. Individuals may have flushing, flushing of the face, inflammation, or redness of the eyes, or a rash. Later symptoms can include low blood pressure, acute shock, vascular leakage, and acute kidney failure, which can cause severe fluid overload. It will not turn you into a rodent, nor will it magically transport you to South Korea. Hmm. This is a virus. It's a virus. South Korea. Hmm. I won't turn you into a rodent. Rats. Rat soul disease. <laughs> you get that in Philadelphia. <laughs> uh, oh, Here we go. <laughs> uh, squirrel. Mm. No. (laughs) (laughs) Going the wrong direction. Mouse? Oh, nope. I don't know. Okay. It's the hantavirus. Okay. So the symptoms I described were for specifically hantavirus hemorrhagic fever with renal syndrome. Nothing like vascular leakage. Yeah, vascular leakage. To really put a damper (laughs) on your weekend plans. Yeah, on your South Korean vacation. Um, you could also die from hantavirus called cardiopulmonary syndrome from the same virus. Uh, hantavirus is named for the Hantan River area in South Korea, where an early outbreak was observed and was isolated in 1976 <gasps> by Ho Wang Lee. 1976 was a big year for infectious diseases, everybody. All right. Question number three. <laughs> True or False. The Philadelphia Flyers were so named because of lefty center Bobby Clark's ability to fly across the ice. That's false. That is false. It's just because co-owner Ed Snyder's sister Phyllis liked the name. Uh, They were out to dinner with their spouses and brainstorming new names, uh, and Phyllis came up with the one that stuck. The team subsequently had a, quote, name the team contest in 1966, but obviously the entry of Flyers or Flyers with an I was obviously the only one that counted. Yeah, that's um, the Penguins were also named by contest in 1966. By contest or by contest? Winkity winky. No, I think it was like Like legit. It was legit. So the Pens used to have, or sorry, Pittsburgh's previous hockey team in the early 20th century was the Pirates, Mm. which is how the Pittsburgh Pirates got their name. I see. They took it when the hockey team closed up. Um, So then the Penguins just naturally fits because the Penguins belong on the ice. They do belong on the ice. That's true. Flyers is just, I mean, I would just argue that's an adjective. A flyer. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Question number four. Name this infectious disease. Symptoms may include headache, fever, shivering, joint pain, vomiting, hemolytic anemia, jaundice, hemoglobin in the urine, retinal damage, and convulsions. You can get it from mosquitoes, and sometimes it causes yellowing of the skin. So like um, yellow fever, malaria. Malaria, exactly. Um, The term malaria originates from medieval Italian, malaria, or bad air. And the disease was formerly called agua or marsh fever due to its association with swamps and marshland. Uh, Malaria may have contributed to the decline of the Roman Empire and was so pervasive in Rome that it was known as the Roman fever. Uh, Malaria was the most significant health hazard encountered by U.S. troops in the South Pacific during World War II, where about 500,000 men were infected. Uh, According to historians, 60,000 American soldiers died of malaria during the African and South Pacific campaigns, which is insane. It's a terrible disease. Uh, Question number five. Dutch settlers brought this hot and salty treat to Philadelphia in the 18th century, making the city the first to popularize it in the U.S., 
what bar snack am I talking about? Which is most often associated with German pubs. That's a pretzel. That's a soft pretzel. Mm, I'll eat it with, with spicy mustard any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> that's not written down. That's just my opinion. Uh, okay. Question number six. Name this infectious disease. Symptoms include headache, neck, back, abdominal, and extremity pain. Fever, vomiting, lethargy, and irritability. Then the muscles become weak, floppy, and poorly controlled, and finally completely paralyzed. It infects children most often, and the Americas were free of it in 1994. That's polio. It is polio. And I noticed that you said the Americas were free of it in 1994. Yes. But that doesn't mean that it's still... Oh, yeah. Nowadays, that it's not... No, it has it. not been eradicated on the globe, which is why you need to vaccinate your children. Anyway. It's as political as we get. <laughs> yes, exactly. Which I think is a pretty safe stance. I mean, I thought it was a safe stance at one point. Jeez. Anyway, also known as poliomyelitis. Uh, Mary Berry, the cookery book writer, had polio as a child, but she recovered. Did and she? she now has weakness in her hands and arms and a twisted spine. Which is why I always thought she had um, severe rheumatoid arthritis because uh-huh. her hands are kind of twisted. Yeah. But that's, she's had that her whole life. She's oh, wow. from having polio. Uh, nevertheless, she will outlive us all. Oh, absolutely. Uh, she's 84 and her mother died in 2011 at the age of 106. Great. Longevity really. We need more Mary Berry We need more world. Mary Berries in this world, I think. Okay. Question number seven. More Mary's Berry. Mary, I think that's, I think you're right. That's the appropriate pluralization (laughs) mary is barry uh question number seven rocky famously ran up these 72 steps to victory i guess i don't know i didn't see it but to what historic philadelphia building do these steps belong the philadelphia art museum it is the philadelphia museum of art um so the description of the philadelphia museum of art is it's just like someone took a deep breath and went and wrote this the 72 stone steps before the entrance of the Philadelphia Museum of Art in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania have become known as the Rocky Steps. As a result of the scene from the film Rocky, tourists often mimic Rocky's famous climb. <laughs> All right. Yep. Yep. Um, Philadelphia apparently has more impressionist paintings than anywhere else in the world, save Paris. So Philadelphia That's Museum of nice. Art has a great impressionist collection. They do have a very nice collection. I did collection. go to their museum one time. That part was fine. <laughs> they do have a very excellent collection. They've been collecting a long time. Um, so there you have it. Uh, question number eight. Name this infectious disease. Symptoms include, actually, they're so gross, even I can't repeat them. But essentially, you just die of dehydration. It has also been nicknamed the blue death because a person's skin may turn bluish gray from extreme loss of fluids. The disease comes from bacteria found in unclean water. I'm between, I'm between two things. Okay. Um... I'll just I'll just go with cholera. You went with the right answer. Okay. It is cholera. Um, like, cholera affects an estimated three to five million people worldwide and causes twenty eight thousand eight hundred to one hundred and thirty thousand deaths a year. Seven large outbreaks have occurred over the last two hundred years with literally millions of deaths. Oh man! And it is. Terrible. I started. Oh, I started writing down the symptoms, and I was like, no. "I can't do this." Uh, my dad got cholera. <laughs> what? What? Like, like what? in no. the 
in the 21st century. Uh, what? Because when he would go, when he would go to landscaping for yeah. like Ryan Holmes, would like go to all these model homes, he would just like go to the hose and like oh, fill up no. his water bottle. And so he kept using the same like just plastic water bottle, like a, you know, Dasani bottle. Oh my kept God. Kept using that over and over. And then he got sick and the doctor like tested him and stuff. And he was like, uh, Bill, uh, people in the United States don't get this <laughs> disease. Bill. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. You got cholera in the in a first world country in the 21st century. Uh-huh. Like from using like a like a rusty hose oh pipe my God. to fill his, his water bottle up again. That's amazing. He did not drop dead. That is terrible. <laughs> Ooh, those symptoms were boo. Oh my God. There were pictures. No. It was terrible. No. Side note. My dad's on a keto diet now. What? His doctor put him on it. Oh, boy. And I was like, well, he can't eat potatoes four times a day now, but he can have as much bacon and eggs as he wants. That's true. I mean, there's... So there's a real trade-off there. There's a silver lining to the keto diet. So now, and I never thought I'd say this, Instagram influencers and your father have more in common than they previously did. So that's something to... That's a (laughs) feather in your cap, Bill. He doesn't listen to this podcast. He doesn't listen to this podcast. (laughs) Question number nine. Every New Year's Day in Philadelphia, this parade, which is the oldest folk festival in the U.S., is televised on WPHL-TV. This event features local clubs competing in one of four categories, comics, fancy, string bands, and fancy brigades. They prepare elaborate costumes, performance routines, and movable scenery, which take months to compete. Odds are they're probably playing Lorena McKinnett the entire time. What is the name of this parade? Mummers? The Mummers Parade. And I was, I played that song as soon as I thought of it. I was like, damn. Oh, it still, still slaps. So, oh yeah. The parade traces back to the mid 17th century roots, blending elements from Swedish, Finnish, Irish, English, German, white, European heritages, as well as African heritage. The parade is related to the Mummers play tradition from Britain and Ireland, and revivals of this tradition are still celebrated annually in South Gloucestershire, England, on Boxing Day, along with other locations in England and in parts of Ireland on St. Stephen's Day, and also in the Canadian province of Newfoundland and Labrador around Christmas. Lorena McKinnett is 62 years old. She looks so good. Amazing. She looks amazing. Still voiced like a bell. Clear as a bell. Amazing. I bought that CD like... Like three years ago, when I still had a CD player in my car, I bought that. Yeah, CD the Mumber Stand CD, just like mm. so good. That's Ugh. how I know like so many long poems is yeah. because she set <laughs> exactly. them to music. Yeah, Lady of Shalott. It's the like Highwaymen. 16- oh, oh my so gosh! So good with a beautiful voice. Mm. She's so great. Great. Okay. Question number ten. I'm going to name four nicknames for tuberculosis, and you're going to tell me if they're real or something I made up. Okay. Number one, galloping consumption. Real. It is real. Number two, Davy Jones's folly. Fake. It is fake. Three, bumble lungs. Ooh, that, I like that one. I'm going to go fake. That is fake. Uh, and number four, phthisis. Can you spell that? P-H-T-H-I-S-I-S. Real. It is real. Good job. Good job. Getting better. Yeah. You know more about Philadelphia than you uh, would deign to admit. You know what, Lauren? You got to know your enemies. <laughs> wow. Oh, my God. This is a side of you that, no, you know what? I knew. <laughs> I shouldn't even pretend. Um, we do have uh, some listener submitted trivia, as a matter of fact, about dinosaurs. 
uh, because yeah. in your last episode, in deserts, deserts, you said something about dinosaurs where they where they've found dinosaurs historically, and then we were like, I wonder why that's the only places they found them. Yeah, and so we got a message on our Facebook post from a listener, Beth A. Dash W. Um, so she tells us uh, the reason dinosaur fossils are only found in a few places is because there are only a few places that have Cretaceous or Jurassic or Triassic strata exposed. So if the exposed layer is from another era, you may have fossils if it's sedimentary, but they won't be dinosaurs. She says, love these geology related episodes. I majored in geology and paleontology in college. That's really That's interesting. So it's like you don't necessarily think about it like that. Like no. you don't think about the different layers from the different time periods. No, it's just like, not. oh, I was digging in my backyard and I found a fill in the blank here. Yeah, I don't exactly. know. A, a mollusk. Why can't I think of any fossil names? <laughs> I actually just read a Longform article that they posted on longform.org, uh, which is out of the University of Pittsburgh, by the mm-hmm. way. Um, the much better side of the state. <laughs> of uh, There was a fossil that was found in Montana of two dinosaurs that were fighting. Yeah. And then they died together in like a uh, in an embrace, in a dangerous embrace. And no one's been able to see it because it's like under litigation right mm-hmm. now. So it's really crazy. But anyway, uh, thank you, Beth, thank for you, that Beth. listener submitted trivia. Um, and if uh, you would like to send us some listener submitted trivia, uh, feel free to contact us. Yeah, you can email us at misinfopod at gmail.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at misinfopod. We have a Facebook page, misinformation, colon, a trivia podcast. Um, and we have a website, www.misinfopod.com. You know it. You can say it with us. Uh, and you can also stream us on the aforementioned website. And uh, you can find us basically wherever you find podcasts. Yeah, we're on Spotify know. now. No big deal. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe, and, uh, tell, and tell a friend. Tell a friend. And by the way, thank you so much to um, some of our recent um, listeners who have do- so generously donated to yes. us on PayPal. Oh my god! Thank you so much. Um, we keep a wall up on our on our website of Gold Star listeners who have donated to us over the years now, which is amazing. You guys are awesome. Yes, thank you so so much. Um, you have been incredibly generous with your time and your money, and we are forever indebted to you so thank you to everybody who uh listened to us on a weekly basis yeah that's it that's That's good that's it that's what we got stay cool yeah everybody yeah (laughs) stay cool and uh thanks so much for listening (laughs) bye bye